0: Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It is December show for us on House Calls, and I'm Dr. Connie, and I have really a wonderful friend in studio. we actually have two doctors in studio so you are doubly blessed but i'll introduce introduce our guests later as i as i go on here with my monologue it's december and it is the most beautiful wonderful time of the year we celebrate the birth of christ we celebrate many holidays for other faiths but for me as a christian i celebrate the birth of christ and to me it's all about faith and i was thinking about that today driving into the studio through horrible traffic in phoenix and I was looking at all the bumper-to-bumper traffic thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm racing through this traffic, trying to get through to the studio by the airport. So that is with the faith that somebody out there will hear me. I don't know who's out there hearing, hearing this show. I always begin the show with a prayer that what we say on this show will affect at least one person out there. At least one person will take away a message of hope of something that will educate them, that will touch their lives in a very positive way. And if it does that, at least one soul is affected. This, this, this whole show would have had intense meaning. It, it's definitely worth it. We don't do this for the money. In fact, I pay for this show. I, I have no sponsors other than myself. So I support the network doing this, and which is nice because I own the intellectual property of this. And I can say what I want, as long as you're polite on the radio, which is very different from television media nowadays. But the whole purpose really is to look at our higher power, our higher source, our higher being, and to elevate that to the level where we can serve our purpose in this life. So I think of that as in December as we come into the month of Christmas. And there's so much going on in this month. I always start every show with what I call my honorable mentions. I, people will say, well, those you mean your shout outs. And I said, well, I don't like to shout at people makes me upset. So I call them honorable mentions. And there are people or events that, that have significance to me since the last show that I want to mention. This, as you know, has been a really, really rough year with the loss of my husband, John, in July. And and for the widows out there and the widowers and members of uh, people who have lost a loved one, the holidays are very painful because you relive the times in, that you celebrated Christmas. And Christmas really is all about family. And when you have that person missing at the table, missing under you know, their gift on the tree, it really hits you that they're no longer here. But that's where your faith comes in, your belief that true faith is believing something that you cannot see, really believing that I can't see that person, I don't hear him, but I know he still exists on the other side of the veil and they connect with you. So this has been a definitely a rough year with John's death, with the death of about four of my patients, this year, who died of various medical issues. One died of suicide, unfortunately. Um, my Aunt Mary died a few months ago. And about two weeks ago, my cousin Tessie Rafanon passed away in Mississauga, Canada. And I have five cousins of mine to whom my family is very close. These five cousins, or actually, I have six cousins. Let me count. Let's see. Yep, I have seven cousins. There are seven cousins from this part of the family. And they are the product of this falling relationship. Their mother was my father's younger sister, and their father was my mother's younger brother. And the reason that marriage came to be uh, with the my older cousin Joe, and my father was on liberty in the Philippines when he went to go see this baby Jose Hinko. And that's my older cousin Joe from this marriage from my aunt. Aunt Tess, and my Uncle Joe. And so they had more children. And the first five I'm very close to, because the way that that we were all, uh, the the birth order was my cousin Joe, my cousin Tess, my cousin Remy, and then myself. And then uh, Irene and then Lito uh, were born after that. But I have a picture that I show in in my book where I am with my uh, cousin Tess and cousin Remy and my cousin Joe, and I'm two years old, so I'm two, Remy's three, Tessie's four, and cousin Joe's five, one after the other. And we're pictured in, my, in front of my grandmother's house in the province. And I show that picture because I talk about our roots. And I always tell people it, it isn't necessarily where you start, it's where you wind up in life, but you have to honor your roots and your beginning and your how humble that is. And I look at that picture, because all of us have moved on. I moved to the United States when I was two, when, since my dad was in the Navy, and he was stationed on Navy bases. And my two female cousins, Tessie and Remy, moved to, the, moved to Canada, probably in their late 20s, early 30s, got married, had families, their, their kids are Canadian. And then my cousin, Joe, left the Philippines probably in his late 20s, joined the U.S. Navy, and retired in Pensacola, Florida. So we've all left. We've all moved on. But I honor my cousin Tess today because she passed away, sadly, about two weeks ago. And she was buried this Monday in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. And I am sadly was unable to attend. And I got a, a lovely messenger message from Should be we call them cousins or well well, actually second cousin. She's the daughter of my cousin cousin Lito. Her name's Caitlin Hinko, and she lives in Canada and. And she's uh, very involved in social media. She has her own podcast. I follow her on Facebook. She's very bright, energetic. So she reached out to me to invite me to do her podcast. And I told her uh, that I had a radio show, too. So she's listening in. So hi, Caitlin. This is Aunt Connie uh, saying hello to you from Arizona. And I will be uh, calling into your show early January. But I also think of not only my cousin Tess, who's passed, but again, many people have passed this year. And I think of the families who've been left behind and, and how we, we moan the fact, bemoan the fact that why is it that we always get together when someone dies? We really need to get together with family more often and not wait for somebody to die to get together. So really, one of my New Year resolutions is to visit family more often in California and other states without having to wait for somebody to die to show up to their funeral in their wake. I reach out to a lot of my friends and family this season who are, who are ill, who are not feeling well. And speaking of illness, I have to do my public service announcement about the flu. The CDC announced that at least 1,300 people have died in the U.S. from the flu up to this point. There have been recorded at least 2.6 million flu illnesses. We had a uh, patient diagnosed with influenza B today in our clinic. Dr. Patty Pepper, who's our guest today, uh, saw that patient and uh, treated him appropriately. Uh, There are 23,000 flu-related hospitalizations. So the message is definitely get your flu shot. If you're ill, don't go to work. Call your doctor, get seen, uh, confirm it's the flu, get an antiviral treatment, stay home, don't infect everybody, right? So really take care of yourself. It's really about prevention. So I begin this show really about the spirit of Christmas. It's December, it's Christmas, Hanukkah's next week, we prepare for New Year's, and everyone's adrenaline is up. I was in New York City about uh, two and a half weeks ago because I wanted to see the lights of New York City, I wanted to go to Rockefeller Center, I saw the Rockettes, I went shopping, and there's this bustle in the city and there's everybody's excited and it's great for retail, and, and it's also anxiety-provoking because what do I buy, what do I get? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult thing. And when, John and when John was alive, it was really tough for him because I could buy whatever I want. I, I work on my own, I have some money of my own. And he goes, what do I buy you? And I would look at him and say, sweetheart, don't get me stuff, give me memories. Because in the end, your memories stay forever. Stuff goes away. And, I, and I've really seen that this last couple of weeks as I sell the big house that we share and I go through each room that's got stuff, stuff, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. What do I do? You know, I donate it, I give it away, I've given things to my stepkids who wanted things to keep in memory, but you know, what do you do with stuff? And I, and it struck me when both my parents were gone, my brother, sister, and I went through our parents' house and we went through a lot of my mom's things and rest soul, my mother loved to hoard things. She was a sweet hoarder, but could not throw anything away. And we went through all her jewelry, and there were empty boxes, and we couldn't find the jewelry. And there were boxes with the dates and who gave them. And it was like, my goodness. And then we found some of the jewelry, and it was like, and there were some packages that were left unopened. She never used them. We gave them to Christmas. And it was just how sad that we did it as a gesture of love, but perhaps we could have picked a better gift, right? Maybe a little bit more time with her. Maybe that would have had more meaning. But you look at it, and and we talk about, you know, We talk about giving gifts because it's about what do you have under the tree? What are you giving so-and-so for Christmas? And as I was listening to the radio, I was listening to that old song about partridge in a pear tree, (laughs) about the 12 days of Christmas. And I said, gee, I've forgotten what it really means, what the 12 days of Christmas. And it really stands for the 12 days between Christmas Day, which is December 25th, the birth of Jesus, and the Epiphany, which is January 6th, which is the day that Christians celebrate the arrival of the three wise men, the Magi, and the revelation that Christ was the light of the world. So when you hear the song, The 12 Days of Christmas, it may sound silly because people will sing it in a round and different people are assigned different parts of the gifts as they sing it. But it really has its origins in religious symbolism, and the serious purpose it involves because at the time uh, that this was going on, it was a secret catechism that would only sing it in public because if you sang, if you talked about Christ, you would be arrested. Back in the days when when this song was was developed was was in, was written. And so it became a, a way of lear- leaning or learning on memory to aid the Christians about that fact. So it's taken at two levels. When you look at the song, The 12 Days of Christmas, you can look at the two levels in which you can interpret it. The surface meaning or the, or the you can look at the surface meaning or you can look at the hidden meaning that only Christians know about. And, and I didn't know that as a Christian, but there's a certain code. I don't know if Dr. Pepper knows this, but there's an element in each of the code, each of these words stand for something. The first gift is a partridge in a pear tree, really is Jesus. He's the fruit. The second is the two turtle turtle doves are the Old and New Testaments. The three French hens stand for faith, hope, and love. The four calling birds of the four Gospels. The five golden rings recall the Hebrew Torah, or the law, or the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Old Testament. The six geese a-laying, where those are the six days of creation. The seven swans a-swimming represent the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. The eight maids a-milking are the eight beatitudes. The nine ladies dancing are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had a lot of gifts there. The ten lords a-leaping are the ten commandments. The eleven pipers piping represent the eleven faithful apostles. The twelve drummers drumming symbolize the twelve points of doctrine in the apostles' creed. So isn't that amazing? I, I never knew that. I, I just thought it was some guy trying to impress his girlfriend. He was giving her all this stuff, and he should have just given her a gift card to Macy's. So it, was, it goes on and on. It talks about the true love of, of giving that. My true love gave to me. And it refers to God himself. The me receives the, the gifts that he gives to every Christian. And so it's, it's, it gives you a lot of the meaning. So to me, when I think of that, there's where it came from. That's where it came from. But even then, you know, we still have to live in this world. You know, what do you buy your friends? And I usually do. You know, what does Dr. Connie buy her family? I always believe in cash. And I and I remember my kids when they were little. They we would always asked for the wish list for Santa, and they would. They, and actually, I've kept the little list because their handwriting, their penmanship, and they would put at, when when they were about age, they were about age seven and nine. They would give me this list in which. Um, they would write uh, anything works as long as you can give me cash. So they would say Nintendo. You can give me a Nintendo. No, okay, all right. If not, but cash is always acceptable, is what Jason had written. So I laugh about that. So usually I will try to give them cash. That that always helps. And uh, but then you gotta you like opening something under the tree. If you hand them a check, that says, "Gee, mom, you could do that any time." So, they had an article in the Wall Street Journal, which I love to read. I like to read their feature page. And it talked about the hyper organized Christmas shopper. And it interviewed a bunch of people about what well, do you get people? Because some people buy things way in advance. And actually, I do that. What I do every year, usually after Christmas sales, because you can really get a special deal, you know, just wait for the after sale, buy it up, then use it next year. That's what I do with Christmas cards and ornaments. But throughout the year, I'll see things that remind me of people, and I'll keep them in a little storeroom, and I'll label it, and then I'll bring it out at Christmas. So in this article, they talk about ways people find gifts. And one lady talked about how she bought gifts for her kids, and she buys four items per child, something they want, something they need, something they wear, and then something they read. And I think that's a wonderful way to do that something they want, something they need, something they wear, something they read. So actually there's tangible things you can give to them and there's four gifts with that. So I'm going to probably use that when it comes to that. And again you hear people talk about, joke about the ugly sweater and the ugly sweater contest. Uh, so all those things come to mind. So the, uh, the guys here at the studio are giving me the gift of telling me how much time I have left. Uh, we're going to pause for a few minutes for a little break here. And then come back to Dr. Connie's house calls. I'm going to interview, interview Dr. Patricia Pepper, who's been on this show uh, two other times. This is third time's a charm. We're going to talk about Christmas and memories. And she, she growing up in Minneapolis, I mean a soda on a farm and, and her tradition. So stand by for Dr. Connie's house calls for our Christmas show.
2: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america who's your doctor when i was looking for a doctor i thought which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed well the answer was obvious who looks after the president of the united states
1: I'm going to call her office now and join her practice.
2: Dr. County Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. County Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com.
3: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com.
0: you are tuned in to house calls with former white house physician dr connie mariano if you have a question or comment for our show today please call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to dr radio at gmail.com that's Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie.
1: As you know, this is our Christmas show, and we're going to give you the gift of our gab, the gift of our wisdom and our experience. And so when I think of Christmas in this month of December, we think of all the traditions, because everybody has traditions. If you come from a family, there's usually, you know, in a culture, there's a tradition. And Talking about traditions and Christmas memories and and the things that we do growing up, it's great to have a variety of things to share so that other people go, oh, my gosh, that's what so-and-so does. That reminds me of what I do or get different ideas. And I invited my my, business—actually, my—not really a business associate, but a fellow physician— who works with me in my practice, Dr. Patricia Pepper, to join me today in studio. And I've known Dr. Pepper, my goodness, we've known each other over 25 years, but welcome Dr. Patty. Thank How you. W- Let me give you a little bit of her background. We, we have it on social media, but just so you know, she's a native of Clarkfield, Minnesota, and she actually goes back often to visit her, her dad. She graduated summa cum laude, so the top of her class from Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, with a Bachelor of Arts degree in biology and nutrition in 1986. After she received her doctor of medicine degree from the University of Minnesota, she entered transitional internship at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego, California in 1991. She completed her internal medicine residency and is board certified. Was board certified in internal medicine in 1994. She's a she's a fellow of the American College of Physicians, which was recognized and recognized as a Navy chapter laureate, which is a high honor in 2018. She's a master clinician, outstanding doctor, top doc, associate professor of medicine at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences, which is my alma mater, and important of, and also among these accolades is she and her husband David have been married for 26 years which is a major achievement nowadays and they are blessed to have two incredibly talented smart children David who's a junior Alina, who's a freshman both at Dartmouth College so welcome Dr. Pepe, Pepper to our show tell us about when I say Christmas what,
4: what comes to your mind about your Christmas memories as you said, I grew up on a farm in rural Minnesota, and it was Scandinavian background. So so everything on the farm revolved around winter activities and the Scandinavian goodies. We always look forward to Christmas vacation because that meant we were able to do more sledding and ice skating, and we were able to go ice fishing. And back when I was young, ice fishing was really roughing it. It was, you know, the middle of a frozen lake, um, hoping that you caught one or two fish after sitting out there all day long. Uh, and then only to come home to my mom, who was a master baker, having a house full of all kinds of Christmas cookies, and all the Scandinavian delicacies, the left and flatbread and rosettes, and the list could go on and on. You still bake? Do you... I, I do bake. I have all of my mom's recipes. And, and c- baking real Christmas cookies is a labor of love. And I think that I try every year to make at least some of her recipes, and I share them with, with my family. And I, I make my dad's favorites for him when we go there.
1: Wow! I mean, I think when you think of the holidays and Christmas, it's very—it's all—it appeals to all the senses. The smells of Christmas, the pine, the cinnamon, all the things. I growing up in my family, you know, Philippi, we we're Filipino, and my dad immigrated, joined the navy. So we moved every two to three years, but we still kept the Filipino culture. So the traditions of definitely go to mass, you go to church, you decorate the house. And again, it's the food. You know, usually roast pork, you know, roast suckling pig, that was important. Lechon, which is important, which is the pig, which is pancit, which is the noodles, which are my mom made. And it's very laborious, a lot of work involved in that. And then the, the egg rolls or the lumpia is what we have. It's always a big celebration. It's always like a fiesta. But always church was important. You always We always got to church. That was important. We have tried to go to midnight mass. And then we'd come back and we were exhausted. And then mom would always insist on, fo- we need to photograph this. Can't do it unless we photograph it. And then just trying to trying to do all those traditions, just just making it happen. Do you are you challenged this time of year? I mean, you're you're busy doing the things you do in practice, and you're you're traveling between here and and, and your other home. Your husband is a full time airline pilot who's getting ready to retire. Your kids are in college. What do you buy your family for Christmas?
4: It's very difficult when you have kids in college, and and honestly, they don't need anything. And uh, I. I believe in the Wall Street Journal recommendations. I try to get them something that they want and something that they need. Um, But I really believe that Christmas is more about the ability to see your friends, spend time with your friends, your family, not work as hard, not feel guilty about sitting around and watching Christmas movies with a whole box of Kleenex, (laughs) not feeling guilty about spending hours preparing a special meal or spending a whole day baking cookies. Mm And for me Christmas cards remain a huge tradition and it's a labor of love. We have lived, you know, in many places. My husband was stationed all over the world. His friends are all over the world. Our military friends are all over the world and so today I took 200 cards to the post office. Wow,
1: do you handwrite each one?
4: Oh no! I you have your your way to do it. I you know use a label maker yeah. and uh, address stamps and those kinds of things. But it's still you know you look at your Christmas list and you think of all your yeah. friends and how blessed you are to have that many friends. Yeah. This year, my list I had to the people who
1: died. And that's yeah. a really sad part. You, you, it's, it's, it really is, is doing the cards. I know people do a lot of emails, but you know what? It's getting that card, holding it. I keep people's cards. Mm-hmm. I do. I love the cards. There's something special about getting it. And then there are updates, what's going on in the family. The cards John and I would send out when we were married, we were together 11 years, married for nine. I work really hard every year to work with my the stationary uh, people at the, at the paper place. I'd come in, we'd brainstorm, I'd give them pictures, and... I framed ours. I framed our Christmas cards, and they they lined the hallway, and it gave sort of a history <coughs> of our family during the, the the last nine years that we were married. And and it does. It's like, oh, what, what year did we build this? What year did we go to Iceland? And you'd look on at that. But it does when you when you do that every year. It's like, oh, okay, what's what's the end of the year report that you want to share with your friends? How do you want to do that? Growing up on a farm, what what memories are come to you to your mind that are really touch you when you think back?
4: So one of my parents' best friends had uh, a herd of Belgium horses. They're like the Clydesdales, but not quite as big. And in the wintertime, we would go down to their farm, which is in the river bottom, for a sleigh ride. And it was a great place to sled as well for my children. And it would take them a couple of minutes to walk up to the top of the hill, and then they'd go down, you know, this multitude of hills over the driveway, and somebody would have to be at the end to catch them before they went (laughs) into the river, even though it was frozen over. But, you know, that's kind of the storybook of Christmas. Um, On Christmas Eve, universally, every year, my dad would take my two brothers and I ice fishing to get us out of our mom's hair. So we'd get up really early in the morning. We'd go to the lake. We may or may not catch anything. We'd be gone the entire day. Wow. Um, And then when we got home, my mom had created Christmas. There would be presents everywhere. And one year... It started snowing when we were at the lake, and the lake was probably 60 miles away on country roads. And when it started to snow, we caught fish like crazy. I mean, we probably caught a dozen fish that day. What kind of fish do you catch there? Uh, Northern pike and walleye. Walleye, yeah. Yeah. And... when we got finally back on the road and my dad kept saying, we have to leave, we have to leave, we're going to be late because we are going to my grandma's for lutefisk dinner. Yes.
1: Um,
4: the, the weather was really lousy. I mean, we finally made it there. We were very late, but, boy, we had all of these fish. And, and you know, that was just fun, and that was what we always what did on Christmas Eve. wonderful
1: memory. When you think of the elements out there, the snow, it's cold, but then you have the warmth of the family fireplace, the family, you feel secure, you feel safe. I think those such a comforting memory of what Christmas, and we always think Christmas, white Christmas, right? It was a little unusual for us because growing up in Hawaii, everyone wore shorts and never felt like Christmas per se, or San Diego where it's cooler. Uh, our, my white Christmas came for the last 11 years going to Colorado to our place there where John would ski and, and, and we would enjoy, I'd decorate that tree, and you would get Christmas, the snow, and then we'd sit in the hot tub and it'll snow. That's That's our version of the water part instead of the ice fishing. Tell us about Christmas movies because they show them continuously on TV. I see that. And do you have favorite movies that you like to watch at Christmas time?
4: I'm very sentimental. So the Christmas movies that I like by and large, are the ones that you know, bring tears to your eyes. My favorite is White Christmas, and it's a wonderful life. I think they will always be on the favorite list. and I watch them every year. It's a wonderful life on Christmas Eve. Um, and I've already watched White Christmas twice this year. Uh, and then I have a couple of others. I, I One of my very favorites is called Christmas Eve, and it features Loretta Young. And most people aren't familiar with that, but if you want a wonderful Christmas movie, I would highly recommend well, that's
1: it. A cl- it's a classic. Loretta Young, 1940s, right? Yeah,
4: that one was made uh, in 1986 oh, by Loretta goodness. Young. Oh, okay. yeah. my goodness. Okay. My um,
1: goodness. What's it about?
4: It's about a, a family that... Uh, It's a very wealthy family and Loretta Young is the grandmother and her son is the head of their company and her son has alienated his three children. And Loretta Young has a fainting event in the park and finds out she has an aneurysm that's not operable. So she hires a private investigator to go to find her grandchildren and she has no idea where they are. Um, and it is a wonderfully written, beautifully ending movie that will absolutely bring tears to your eyes. Oh, well, I have to watch that. I have to watch
1: it. I, you have the profound. I usually ha- go with the profane. I, Our tradition, when I was married with Richard, my, was living in Washington, D.C., and we exposed them to Christmas vacation with Chevy Chase. And we would actually quote. It was a cleaned up version of it, though. We would. It was on television, so we first watched it there. But it was they always, you know, recite the things that we would talk about Christmas and everybody's miserable, you know, and the you know, family gathering and, and the angst that Chevy Chase would experience. But that was always something we would talk about. But definitely, um, Home Alone is one of the ones that comes to mind. But I, I, I want to watch White Christmas again. The other thing that love that we John and I would watch every year is the Muppets Christmas Carol because he loved that. He laughed like a little kid. He loved, we love Michael Caine, and he performed with the Muppets, the Christmas Carol, the the Dickens story of that. And that always was something special. I don't know if I can watch it this year. It's a little too close. So I'm going to watch other movies as well to, to do that. Because, you know, you think of all the memories, what, what you know, every year. What How do you repeat it? What things come to mind? Um... Other things for gift giving, you know, do you give people a list of what things you, what do you like to receive? What what special gifts that you've gotten over the years?
4: I think my favorite gift as a child was Lightbrite. And well, it's you know, light bright. Light bright is a screen and you have all of these uh, pegs that you push into the screen in designs and then you it's plugged in and you make these beautiful designs on a screen. Oh, wow. Um, that was my favorite g- gift as a child. Uh, as an adult, you know, I've gotten I've received a lot of very nice things. Um, my favorite things are the things my children made for me when they were small. And yeah. I have many of them still. Yeah. Yeah, the little crafts
1: and things, they I still have those put away. Don't throw them away. Never. You know, they're handwriting, those things that just, as they're little, they're they're precious to you. They really are. I see it now with my grandchildren, because they'll have them try to write their name on a cart, or they'll make something with glitter. And I'm like, oh, it really touches you. And I think I was sharing with you the other day that uh, my, my son and his wife and the three grandchildren, they're four and a half, two and a half, and a year old, came over to where I, I'm staying and we they went to see Santa, took pictures with Santa, and I laughed because the picture with Santa with the kids is, is very typical of the ages because Santa's sitting there and he's got Aubrey who's one year old and she's she doesn't know who this guy is, she's just sitting there looking out into space and then Addie who's four and a half has already like you know, pinned him down said I like this, I'm, you know she's already talked to him about conspire to say this is what I want for Christmas and she's sitting beside him and then Pushing him away is Alex, who's two and a half, who's like, I, have, I want nothing to do with this man. You know, Santa's got his hand on his, on his leg, and Alex just turned away, grimacing, like, please, who, I, don't, I don't know this man. I don't want to deal with it. So it's so funny to see, you know, their reactions to Santa. And, 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 and you just look at that. But one of the things that was very sweet, I, I took them for hamburgers afterwards, and we had gelato. You know, you always feed the grandkids. And Annie had to go to the the, the little girl's room, so I followed her in. And so she was in the stall, and I was waiting outside the stall for her. And all of a sudden, unprompted, she says, I love you, Lola. And Lola's my nickname. Lola means grandma in Filipino. But she just says, I love you, Lola. And it just warned me so much. That was my Christmas gift to her to tell me, unprompted by her parents, that she loved me. And that was so sweet. It's a a child's voice of that. And I just think how special that is. It's really the relationships and times. I was listening to the radio coming in, and one of the local newscasters was saying that they were doing surveys (laughs) about families and what they want for Christmas. And they really want more time away from their iPhones. And that some people, some families said that they definitely were on Christmas Day are not going to look at their phones, they're going to put that away and they're going to focus on talking with each other. And they were saying that over 80% of the people surveyed wanted more time with each other talking to each other. Because I know you've seen it, mm-hmm. you go out to a restaurant, you look at a family sitting there and they're all bent over their phones. Nobody's talking, they're, 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 they're not communicating with each other. But yet, the irony is these phones are supposed to connect us more and they've isolated us more than ever. No one's making eye contact, they're, they're not talking to each other, they're just sitting there checking in, and, and, and I always feel, I mean, I have to connect with my phone because that's how patients reach me, but I find that I almost call it I call it mind-jacking, I get hijacked, my mind gets hijacked from where I am as soon as that, that email comes in, oh, okay, I got to go into where that is. And a lot of times, certain patients, when they email me, I'll remember where I was when I got a particular email, like I was in Hawaii on vacation or I was, or I was in Canada, I'll say, oh, I remember when so-and-so emailed me that I was there but then I don't remember anything else. And I think if we can just focus more on the mindfulness part, I think that's the, the thing, it's the gift of that. One of the things that, that came to mind, I was thinking about you know, what do you give people for that? And one of the things I wanna share before I break here is I found a, um, somewhere, I think it was social media, they had a list of the, the 52 clutter-free gifts and really they grouped them into experiences, classes, time, memberships, and consumables. And you know what kind of experiences can you give your friends? Buy them concert tickets, right? Sporting tickets, movie passes. I love this. You know, and to my kids out there and my patients, give me movie passes to Harkins, right? And popcorn and that, theater tickets, golf passes, escape room symphony phoenix symphony if you're in phoenix given tickets to the phoenix symphony community theater restaurant gift card i am huge about that a lot of my doctor friends you all are going to get gift cards to the restaurants because you know i'm not going to give you stuff i mean people give you candy but i'm going to give you gift cards indoor rock climbing is one thing bowling gets who gets to bowl summer camp hot air balloon and then for classes uh... john and i would occasionally i, I would sign them up for christmas would be sur la tab or a cooking class we would like dance classes, sports, swimming, music, internet masterclass, coding, painting, art, scuba diving, private coaching, physical training, I, you know, that may be a hint to some people want to get in shape, I'll get you a trainer, babysitting time, you hire a professional organizer, a car wash, massage therapy, I take my gal pals to Sedona, the enchantment where I've been 40, I think it's 45 times, memberships to the zoo, the children's museum, Art museums, science, and then consumables, obviously things we love, these huge fruit baskets we love, flowers are beautiful, all these great things. So it's these are gifts that don't accumulate, that you can use it and experience and give thanks for those people there. So those are just some great suggestions. So we're going to go to a quick break. We'll come back with Dr. Connie and Dr. Patty Pepper to talk more about the gifts, the special gifts of Christmas.
3: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor?
2: When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States?
0: You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today.
3: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: tuned in to house calls with former white house physician dr connie mariano if you have a question or comment for our show today please call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's one 346 9141 you may also send an email to dr connie radio at gmail.com that's dr connie radio at gmail.com now back to house calls with dr connie
1: I'm very grateful to have in studio today, Dr. Patricia, Dr. Patty Pepper, who is sharing with me her memories of Christmas in Minnesota on their farm, and we were talking about gift giving and 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 the sounds and the, and the tastes and and all the memories that come with Christmas, and we were just talking a little bit about the the gifts that uh, don't clutter up everything, the gifts of experience and memories. It, I sort of break things down into, you know, what can you give people. I, I call them the three T's. You can give me your time, your talent, and your treasure. Among those three, the most important is time, because as we get older, your time's going to be limited. How much time do you have left? And how precious that is. Your time, your talent, is really what you're good at. You know, what are you masterful at? What are you good at? What is it that you can do for them and your treasure? You know, monetary, things that you possess, obviously, if you want to share those. But there's a combination of those things. But again, you look at the most important thing is spending time with people because you'll never get that back. And and what happens then is they have these memories that hopefully are good memories when they look back. But as you're giving all these gifts to people, you know, also take care of yourself. Because we're always the last ones on our to-do list and our gift list, and and I, I found a nice article by Tara Parker Pope in the New York Times. Cause Tara actually writes some pretty nice articles, and it's for the holidays. The gift of self-care is the title, and I love this. It's a Buddhist teacher offers five simple steps to quiet your mind and soothe your stress. I love it. The Buddhist teacher is giving us advice, you know, over the Christmas holidays, and she shares the story of a Buddhist monk who talks about the moment when he discovered the power of self-care. And a lot of us work so hard taking care of others, and we're always the last ones to to take care of ourselves. And then you find out you get resentful. Everybody else gets this. Why don't I? And you really have to self-love. And it isn't being narcissistic. It's being healthy to love yourself and take care of yourself and really really address that. And a lot of it really is meditative. It's about mindfulness, focusing on the now, because if you're seeking peace and and quiet and, and joy, it's really in the moment of the now. And it's very simple. This is what what the monk advises. It's about breathing, because a lot of times, we don't breathe, you know, we're, we're just holding our breath. And they tell you just to stop and breathe. Fill your lungs and breathe, and then exhale, and just do that. By doing that, you drop your blood pressure, lower your blood pressure, you relax, you can focus on the now. So just say, if you're stressed, just say, I need to breathe. Let I need to breathe through this. The other is the gift of acceptance, accepting yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Or I didn't get all my Christmas shopping done this week. You know, I'm going to have to rush, okay? Just don't beat yourself up about that. Accept it. It will be okay. The other thing he talks about is writing. Do some type of a writing exercise where write down how you're feeling, write those things that are weighing on you, write about it, and write about your stress. And people will do that. They'll post things and how they're feeling and they get to express that, which I think is a good idea, they share that. Talking is really important, talk to a friend, talk to a loved one, just express yourself, validate your feelings, express what you're saying and what's going on. The other is walking and I think, you know, me walking around New York City and breathing and shopping and talking to friends is really great therapy and, you know, walking is just out there looking around, looking at the lights, looking at the scenery. And just moving, moving can really, really help you. Being out in nature, uh, if you're in a place that has snow, going out into the snow, walking around, and just being in the now, looking at the world around you is so important for that. Dr. Patty, I mean, tell us any advice that you give your patients about the holidays and how to deal with stress. What do you tell them?
4: I think that we all need to recognize that the next two weeks on the calendar are some of the most difficult weeks for many people. And It may be because of loss and and missing people who are important in your life, but I think it's also there's so many places of temptation during the holidays. And we work really hard to control our patients' diabetes and their blood pressure and their alcohol consumption, and all of a sudden it's one big holiday party to the next. And so my, my best advice is, you need to manage the stress. The holidays are extremely stressful. They're emotionally stressful. Getting together with families is oftentimes not easy. And they are stressful on your body. So be mindful of your salt intake, your alcohol intake, the number of calories that you put in, and try to get sleep. You
1: get brought up a good point because I, I did. we did a, one of our Christmas shows a few years ago. We had Dr. Jerry Law, who is... An advisor over at uh, the Meadows in Wickenburg. And we talked about alcohol addiction. Because, you know, people say, oh, you're going to the Christmas party, so and so gets drunk, you know, what's in your eggnog? And this is a time, you're right. I mean, people are overindulgent. And they say, well, you know, Christmas is coming, I'm going to gain five pounds. You don't have to. You don't have to eat all that food. You don't have to eat all those cookies. And and I had a patient come to me this week, in fact, who was struggling with, with alcohol who asked for help. And I thought, my goodness, we're, we, there's somebody we can help who actually asked for help and went to an AA meeting that night and we got that person into recovery, now patient recovery. But the fact that they realize I am powerless over alcohol, I need help, and they described this empty sensation and, and they're hardworking, successful people. These are people who've achieved many things in their life and talked that person talked about being OCD and said, you know, I have my tradition, but if when I eat when I eat or drink, I just go overboard, I lose control, and the holidays are especially. Oh, we have to celebrate; it's Christmas. You know, we should toast, we should do that. And so that person was asking for help, and it gave us that opportunity to help them, to get them to to, to really find a way to save their life, really to save their life. But one of the things they described, and I always remember, is that emptiness in their soul, that. Here it's a happy season, but never have they felt so empty, so lonely. And we talked about the triggers. And I always say, as, a, as, as someone who's a compulsive overeater, and I've been to OA meetings before and we've studied this, is I, I look at the, the red flags and we call them HALT, that you use the acronym HALT. You know, be very cautious if you're in a situation where you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. That's a red flag. Pause breathe, because then you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable into drinking more. You're vulnerable into abusing whatever you abuse. My case, I would probably want to overeat or indulge in things. I mean, what do I indulge nowadays? Probably popcorn and Diet Coke. So I limit my use of that, but I know that's coming. It's like, okay, what am I doing? I'm eating a little too much, and I'm going to beat myself up the next day, and I shouldn't do that. It's too much salt. So a lot of times, it's all about portions, and then also be good to your body. Be loving to your body. You know, you're being loving to everybody else, giving him that great gift, and give yourself the gift. So if you could give yourself a gift, Dr. Patty, what, what would you give yourself?
4: I would make every 24-hour day 36 hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think that really the most important gift that we can give ourselves is to spend a few, t- few minutes on yourself. And, and as mothers and mothers who are physicians, it's not in our DNA. Taking care of ourselves is is always the last thing on the list. Um, but we really, as I get older, I think I have to st- step back and recognize oh, there's some things I need to do for me as well. Um, and And I think the other thing, too, is to appreciate all the wonderful things that happen at Christmas, right? To appreciate when you are able to see your family, you know, your aunt who's 90 years old who has wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. stories to tell about Christmas. For me to appreciate having my children home from college, which is really a gift. Yeah. Um, and and I always say that I think we take for granted our own health and to appreciate the value of a healthy mind and a healthy body, which is really our our greatest treasure.
1: Yeah, it's so true. I mean, people talk about you know, what's the most important organ really is, is your brain. You got, you know, obviously we talk about they compete, but in the end, all you have left are your memories. All you have left, I, and I see that missing my husband, you know, and we talk about, well, what did he leave you? He, he left with memories. It isn't the financial, it isn't the materialistic. In the end, what, what people are left with are memories of that person, the times that he said something, the things that you experienced together. You know, and, and, I, and I would look at, well, what would I want people to say about me when I'm gone? What would I want my kids to say? And actually, I had that conversation with John a few years ago when we flew out to Calgary to scatter his father's ashes. And I said, what would you want your kids to say about you? You know, and, and he thought about that. You know, what would you like said about you, that you were a good person, you are a good dad. And those are things that meaningful. It wasn't how much money you left behind or what you owned or what you did. It was like, what were you like to other people and how you share that? And it's just a little simple things. But it's, you know, everyone's so driven. I got to get to this. I got to get to the big car. I got to get to the jewelry. Yeah, I got to do anything. You know, that's the commercialism. You know, they're, they're not going to sell that. I mean, the things that you give to people as you get older are not things. You know, it's, it's the memories, it's the kindness, it's, it's simply the time you spent that you're going all the way to Minnesota to see your dad, to see your elderly aunt, because we don't know. Next Christmas, they're not with us. You know? it, it, I didn't know last Christmas, this would, that was our last Christmas together. You know, And I, I look at my little folder, because I keep cards for the next year, and I have a ton of cards for John for this year. And, and, and I look, because you didn't plan. No, you don't plan someone's going to die. And so for the people out there, I have a group of widow friends. you know. And, and holidays are hard. And, and part of you, you talk about being good to yourself. And it's allowing yourself to weep, to grieve, but also be grateful, to be grateful that you had that love of the person, you'd had that opportunity. And, and this is where all your friends are, You know, your friends who reach out to you, who call and say, I'm thinking about you, who text you, take you to dinner take you to lunch, who check on you. I have some dear friends who will text me like, how are you doing? They'll just do that, and just out of the blue. And it means so much. It just, you know, if you have friends out there you're worried about, just text them, call them, you know, leave them a message. Just say, just thinking about you. Just a, a, as simple as that. And it's one of the gifts John had. His friends would, would tell me, you know, he would call me out of the blue, and he would just we would pick up where we were before. You know, just all of a sudden you think of somebody, you, should, you just call them. You know, and then maybe there's a reason. They're like, oh, you called me. D- you must know I was going through a rough time. Well, I just needed to call you. So really, it's the gift of your time and your attention. And and really to focus, you know, how do, you, how do I pamper myself? I, I go to spas. I let other people take care of me. But what I really love, I think, is so precious to sit quietly. And it's really hard for me because we all have monkey brain. I have more monkey brain than most. I have gorilla brain. It's all over the place. But you know, I get up every morning, and I reach for my daily devotional. And it's called Jesus, Jesus Calls. And I sit there. And, and interesting, that devotional was on my desk in my office. I found it on my desk the day after John died. I don't know who gave it to me, but it was on my desk. And I read it every day. And then I try to meditate. And what I do is I just sit quietly, and I just focus on my breath and I just focus on that and I try to still my mind. It's a very simple exercise. Just focus on your breath. You don't look at your phone, you don't look around, you just focus and you'll have thoughts come into your mind and you just gently escort them away. Out, and you go back to the center and you breathe, gently escort any other thoughts away. And by doing that, sometimes you'll get little ideas that will come up and it's usually amazing ideas. One time, it's funny, I don't know if I shared with this Doctor Pepper, but I was meditating one time, right after John died, I was at the other house that we shared, and the image of a Barbie doll popped up into my consciousness. It's like the Barbie doll with the blonde hair and the bangs and the ponytail, with the gold top and blouse. And I thought, that's an interesting vision. You know, did John send that? Did Spirit send that? What What does that mean? I'm not a Barbie doll. I work my butt off. I'm a hardworking, self-sufficient, you know, physician has my own business. Well, I'm not a Barbie. But then I thought, you know, when I was a little girl, I used to play with Barbie dolls, and that's how I would play. So the message that I received from John was, "Little girl, you need to play more. You need to play," and and that's a good thing. How much? How often do we get permission to play? Because all I do is work. You know, it, John would kid me. He says, "All you do is work." I said, "Well, I'm, I'm a workaholic," but then I would justify it by saying that Einstein said that creativity, which is I like to write, is intelligence having fun. That's my fun. But I need to walk more, obviously. I need to walk more. I need to get out with friends more. I need to laugh more. My writing is important because I need to do that more, but that's my fun to do that, exercise my brain. But we talked about going back to memories and brains. It's keeping your mind active. is really being good to your brain. You know, don't, do, don't put chemicals in your body that can injure your brain. Exercise is important, keeping your weight down. And just very simple things that we try to do to just be good and loving. I will talk to patients of mine who still smoke, and it's such a tough addiction. And I said, "What, what would you want for your grandchild? You know, do you not want to st- still see them? And well, you know, how would you? What, what would you do? Would you want to see your grandchild smoking? Oh, God, I would never want my grandchild to smoke. Or what kind of food are you eating? Would you would you feed that to your grandchild? Oh, I would never do that to the baby. So, what would you do?" to yourself that you would do to others? And then what advice would you give yourself that you would give to others as well? And it's true, a lot of times we're the last at our list and we really need to raise us up more to the top of the list because all the things you do for everybody else is dependent on how you feel and how loving and how healthy you are. And as I get older, I'll be 65 next month, it really makes you cherish health. You cherish it more when you don't have it. And you see people around you who are younger than you who die, And things that could have been prevented. You know, everyone should go for their annual exam. I tell people, go for your annual exam. I mean, at least get checked out once a year. Have a doctor you trust and somebody you go to for medical care and listen to your body. You know, take care of yourself. You know, worry about yourself. And then have people look out for you and help them help you. And it's the whole theme of how do you live a long, good, healthy life with good brain and no pain. I talk about good brain. If you can make it to 99 to 100. You know, some people say, get me to 100. I say, well, that's going to be tough. Depends on the quality of life you want to have. But if I can get you to 100 with good brain, no pain, so be it. We can do that. But we're going to, we're going to end our show shortly here. I, I want to thank you all for listening in. I want you to all have a Merry Christmas. And you, Dr. Pepper, Merry Christmas to you.
4: Merry
2: Christmas.